Hello, my name is Richard Cox, and I'm joined again by Tim Freak for the latest of our Deep Awake Dialogues. And today, we're delighted to be joined by Dr. Jude Corvin. Uh, Jude is the author of many books. The latest one is The Cosmic Hologram, Information at the Centre of Creation. So, good morning to you both. Good morning, Richard. Morning, Tim. Morning. So, we thought this would be a, a good dialogue, as um, the similarities and perhaps differences too, um, in what you've both tried to do in your most recent works, which is take this kind of spiritual philosophy and see how it relates to a, a scientific um, worldview and expand it in that way. So maybe to get the ball rolling, uh, Jude, you can explain a little bit about your background as a physicist and in spirituality and how you've meshed those worlds together in this latest book. I'll be happy to, Richard. I mean, I think to describe my, my, my journey as a scenic route is probably the, the best description. I started uh, experiencing multidimensional realities when I was four years old. But literally at that same time, too, I was fascinated by the stars, by the world, by how and why reality is as it is. Of course, I didn't use that language when I was four or five years old, but I was absolutely fascinated by ancient wisdom, uh, by spiritual insights, but also the, the, the sort of the science, how science described the world. And I was also experiencing, I was also walking between worlds from that very early age. So as I grew up, all of those interests and fascinations continued. I did a master's degree at Oxford uh, in physics. Um, specializing in quantum physics and cosmology. I then took a, a scenic side detour into international uh, business and, and over 25 years became the most senior businesswoman in the UK for about 10 seconds before somebody else became more senior. Um, but I ran a couple of, of, from a financial perspective, two $500 million turnover businesses. Uh, during that time and traveled the world and and you know continue to have the experiences that I've had since childhood continue to keep abreast of leading edge science uh, and also of course in that role of, of an international corporate uh, role I was working very closely with people who were were looking at sort of social economic financial political systems and my my quest has always been at the deepest level to understand the nature of reality as best I can. And secondly, in understanding that, to be in service to perhaps um, to heal our perspectives. Because it seems to me all my life that we have very fragmented in the main, certainly in the West, fragmented perspectives of, of the nature of reality. And so my route now has been to try and, and mesh all that together to gain as deep understanding as I could. After I left uh, business, I also went to do a PhD in archaeology, researching ancient cosmologies. Because cosmology really is, is, is the nature of reality. It's trying to understand that, not just at the physical level, but you know, all science, all physical science, all physics understands that we cannot understand what we call the physical world without understanding that it arises from deeper non-physical realms. Um, and so I think it was an incredibly interesting moment where leading edge science is actually coming together and able now, probably for the first time, to fully reconcile 
with universal spiritual experiences, all the supernormal phenomena such as telepathy and precognition and remote viewing, and bring all that together so that we actually now have the evidence that the duality-based reality we, we seem to, to, to experience is not the fundamental nature of reality. So we're really now on the verge of bringing all of this together, and as, as Tim does so wonderfully in his work, to show that, you know, um, mind is matter, that consciousness isn't something we have, it's what we and the whole world are, and that the nature of reality is that it is unified innately, not just interconnected, but ultimately unified. So that's an amazing time for all of us because this, is just, this isn't just a scientific revolution. It literally can, I feel, and, and I, I suspect Tim would agree, has the opportunity to transform how we collectively see ourselves in the cosmos and take a major step forward in, in our conscious evolution. And, and you feel that the science of physics particularly is, the arrow is pointing in that direction now because I'm aware that, um, for example, a lot of the really famous quantum physicists back in the 30s and 40s um, also were very interested in idealism as a philosophy, the idea of the world being principally arising in mind or thought. And I'm never really sure how much they felt the physics was pointing to that or whether it was a, a separate kind of thing. Do you feel that physics itself is pointing towards this kind of... I do, but I think, I, I think what they did is they, uh, they were absolutely the giants on whose shoulders we now stand. And certainly the quantum physicists, the, 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 more, um, the deeper thinkers amongst them, were realising that the basic way in which quantum phenomena uh, realise themselves means that you know, there is no separation that there's no separation between the observer and the observed and more and more experimentally it's been shown that um, you know quantum behavior is only made real when it's measured or, or in some way but the two things that were not ready I think for them to be able to, 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 to get hold of and bring into the center of this is the nature of information itself because as you say 20th century science sort of revolutionized from the Newtonian perspective of things and separation into excitations and fields and relationships. But by basing the understanding of reality on energy matter, which is what quantum physics does, and space-time, which is what relativity does, they missed an enormous and crucial piece, which is information. Because what now physicists, but not just physicists, biologists, complex systems theorists, information theorists, and many, many others are realizing that actually it's information, that exactly the same digitized information that forms the basis of our technologies, is exactly the same as the universal information that is more fundamental than energy and matter and space and time and in fact expresses itself in complementary ways as energy matter and space and time so literally our universe all that we call reality is literally informed and also we're understanding from studies of black holes and the understanding of, of information entropy or the information content of, of systems that our universe is also holographically manifests. So in that sense, we have some absolutely crucial 
um, attributes that in the 30s and 40s and, and even 50s were just not known of. So that's why it's now, that, and it's only now, I mean, literally the evidence mm. has only been in the last few years that this is coming more and more as a compelling appreciation. And what it can do, of course, is it can reconcile relativity and quantum theories by showing that, you know, they, they represent complementary expressions of information. So we're now moving to a, a unified perspective, not just of physics and not just of the physical world, but all the way down. You know, it's turtles all the way down on this one because you can't get to this place and not get to that aha-ness of consciousness isn't something we have, it's what we in the whole world are, which is very much, you know, Tim's pioneering work, I think, has done wonders in this. So, you know, we're all in it together, and I think it's all converging. <laughs> it's interesting to me because I, I, it's, it, what, the, 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 the thing I love about uh, when I read, here it is, look, by my side, the Cosmic Hollywood. Oh. Um, it is because, uh, you know, I come at this as a philosopher um, and an amateur interest in science. Um, I'm always needing to touch base with, and luckily I have people around me who, who are very well informed. Um, but as a philosopher, I, I mean, I mentioned the, the, in my book Soul Story when I'm exploring what I call emergent yeah. spirituality, I mentioned it in a few lines. And what this book does is really brings out all of the reason why that yeah. I can say, I think with confidence, the leading edge of science is pointing towards the idea that yes. the objective world is, is needs to be understood as information, the hologram Absolutely. analogy and on all of that. And I think you're right. See, for, <clears throat> once you can get to the point where it's information, that's yeah. at the point when you can go. So there's information on a physical <laughs> level, which appears as solid objects. There's information on a biological level, which appears as life. And then there's information on a soul level or a psych psyche level, which appears as images. And we're exactly. experiencing all of that right now. And there's suddenly a link between the hardest physical thing, which isn't what it appears, no. right the way through to the to the to the 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 objects of the mind or of the soul. Yeah, the foundation are, of being. Mature, and suddenly exactly. there's one spectrum. Yeah. And that's the key because that spectrum, that, that linkage has not been there before. And, and I, this is, I think, the first of what will be probably many books, but I think this is the first book that's really provided that linkage. And as you say, Tim, it's got the back of everyone who has been doing this amazing work, such as yourself, to show this. And, and, you know, okay, well, I, I want to, in that case, <laughs> I, think, I think I have to pop in because actually I need to disagree with you um, oh, uh, okay. um, on one thing or, or not. This, you, I, I, because uh, I would say that um, quite a bit of my early work um, does follow what is the, the, the mainstream traditional view, which you get down the ages of spirituality, which is the it's all in consciousness so it's an indian philosophy yeah. essentially but you get it in gnosticism and and all over sure. as a philosopher the more i've sat with that the more that hasn't worked for me um uh, so uh and and i've been looking for a way of seeing the objective subject split i see i see philosophy as kind of a big battleground between objectivists who are going look the object's real and su and the subject comes from it and subjectivists are going no no consciousness is real and the objects are just appearing in it 
And my, my own sense is more like David Bohm or somebody like that who goes, mm. no, I think we need to see a third element, which is before both, which gives yes. rise to this duality of subject and object. So yes. that the subject and object are arising together and necessarily, therefore, the idea of just the object without the subject or vice versa. I agree. So, so that whilst I feel happy to say this world I'm experiencing is yes. clearly existing in consciousness, I'm also aware that there is a informational reality that exists beyond my consciousness yes. uh, uh, in, and is therefore not, it does, it, it, it's hard for me to make sense of the traditional spiritual idea that it's all really, it's all consciousness because consciousness in terms of self-knowledge seems to be an evolutionary or emergent phenomena. I, I agree with you completely. I mean, my, my definition of consciousness is a very broad church and within that broad church having sort of aid in the world for, for you know, over 60 years now I completely agree with you and so you know my experiences have been in terms of communicating learning from many different levels of, of consciousness and levels of different levels of self-awareness but what I suppose I am you know my, my sense is and, and I think we, we share this and, and by the way there's no disagreement at all between us um, it is really what would Einstein call cosmic mind, the infinite eternal ground of being within which there are what I'm calling universe souls. You know, our universe exists and evolves as a unified, coherent entity of which we ourselves, the microcosmic, creative, individuated, self-aware bits of that consciousness. Um, but, you know, as, as a finite thought form, as it were, within the so mind the, of So the issue thought. that comes to me with, with, the, with that idea of cosmic mind and the big mind, the Zen idea and all of those things, which you know, is littered throughout my books. You, know, you can find it <laughs> up until... I've read your books. Yeah, I quite recently, <laughs> I, I certainly would have said, you know, happy to use those things myself. And then it felt like, it felt to me like we need... It, it, the danger with using... I mean, I, I also think we're saying the same thing from different perspectives, but there is, a, there is for me, a kind of inherent danger in putting it all arising within cosmic mind which is the the spiritual perspective because it sounds like there's this incredible it's basically this incredible intelligence you know it's god really which is there and then it's the cosmos it's the dream of brahman it's like that ancient idea and it's issuing forth and that's an incredibly attractive idea apart from I can I absolutely get why so many scientists find it laughable because once you see the scope of evolution well my favorite example Jim, is tell me your insights on this you know I, I, I as a philosopher I work in really simple ideas <laughs> so the yeah, simple okay. idea for me is Tim how the hell do you if that if this is all arising in a cosmic mind and that's a huge intelligence why do we have 120 million years of dinosaurs that's nuts why would, no, you know, I'm, I don't. I, but I'm not saying that. I'm not saying it in the way that exactly. you're. Exactly. So, so how okay. does how do you see that? That's what I'm trying to get at. What, how do you well, see that? What I'm writing in the book is basically that when we perceive that that physical reality, let's just talk about our universe. You know, well, we could talk about multidimensionalities and all the rest of it. Sure. But let's just sort of hardball it on on our universe. And our universe, the, the moment, the beginning of space-time was around 13.8 billion years ago. And, you know, scientists called it the Big Bang because Fred Hoyle wanted to be derogative about it. But of course, it's, it's, it's a lovely irony, isn't it? 
But actually, what cosmologists realize is it, it clearly wasn't big, but it wasn't a bang. It wasn't explosive. It wasn't, you know, just a shrapnel everywhere. It was incredibly fine-ordered and, and fine-tuned. And, and our universe began with its lowest level of informational content designated space-time. So it had all the energy matter it would ever need to just play around but conserve throughout its lifetime. Sure. But at that first moment, which I'm calling the big breath, because it wasn't a bang, it was an ordered out-breath of space expanding and time flowing. That first moment was the lowest, what's called informational entropy. In other words, the lowest informational content of our universe, like a newborn baby, a newborn yeah. baby universe. Yeah. And so the point is that for informational entropy to increase, the physics require essentially that space must expand. Yeah. And the flow of time is, is that accumulated yeah. flow of, of information entropy, that, that increase from the minimum through. So what you get, the space expands, you're able to have greater and greater complexity evolve within the totality of our universe. But bear with me, bear with me. Okay, I just want to get. Can yeah. I just finish the? Can you? Re can I just okay, finish sorry, the sorry, 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 I just want to know: is that in, is that is that in a for you? Is this happening in the big mind? Bear with me. I want to finish okay. this thought, and then okay. and then I hope I'll answer that question because okay. it's exactly that. So basically, within what we call space-time, what we experience as space-time, the duality perception of space-time, the me and the you, at the most fundamental is, is, is unified. In other words, mind is matter, etc. Nonetheless, there is that perception, and from that perception comes the experience and the exploration and the evolution. But what happens um, entropically is that the greater the complexity it sort of, it skinnies down. So instead of the whole of space becoming more intelligent, as it were, planets after three generations, two or three generations of amazingly fine-tuned stellar evolution are able to form with all the ingredients necessary for then the emergence of biological life within space-time. So four and a half billion years ago, our Earth, Gaia, was able to be comprised from all of the, the stardust, as it were, of previous stellar explosions, but also with the necessary water and, and complexity to then move to the next level of evolutionary complexity and individuation and, and, and evolution of self-awareness and, you know, with us now and, and, and on and on. So for me, if you, if you think of cosmic mind as, as the sort of the numinous foundation of being, then universes such as our own, which cosmologists now, there's more and more pointing to, it's not just, it's a closed system and it's a finite in both space and time. So our literal universe is born, grows, rather like a balloon being blown up or a bubble. And then at some point, and the latest um, astronomical uh, measurements suggest that 95% of all stars that could ever form have already formed because there just isn't enough hydrogen to form new stars. So we're at a point probably in our universe where our universe is past middle age as a thought form, as an ever increasing um, playground for complexity, for consciousness to individuate and continue to evolve. So 
we are coming from it from I think complementary perspectives, but you know why is it? The, why do you why why do you choose to see that? I mean, I love that description, beautiful description, and and the big breath is lovely. I call it moment zero because it's for me, it's the beginning of the expansion of time. Very exactly with what you're saying. I guess the area which I'm, I'm, I'm that we kind of ended up talking about earlier because of, of what you're saying, and I, I said I better confess that that's actually not what I'm saying at the moment, is is <laughs> the analogy of it being a thought form in a mind. Well, I, I'm experiencing mind right now, and I'm, I, I can, I'm experiencing thought forms. Uh, so it's like that is a, you can see that analogy, but like most analogies, it feels like, is that you know because it puts it puts the mind bit the, thi- the the thing which knows itself to be here i really liked it when you called it the ground of being see that yes. really works for me because that's not a mind that's not conscious that doesn't I, know it that's no, not i agree that's no, no, not, no. and then this is this is not necessarily we don't it, what exists in the proto world that you know before sure. there is life we don't have to imagine that in a mind because minds are going to come later. In fact, what strikes me about the evolutionary process is how we have to wait a long time to get minds. And yeah, then a long time. It's amazing. So mind has come from it rather than it from mind. I think we're, I think we're, we're, we're expressing semantics at the moment because as I said earlier, for me, my definition of consciousness is a very, very, very broad church. And it goes way beyond the, the, the level of self-awareness because what I think you're speaking of is, is absolutely right, is that progressive evolution of beings such as ourselves that have a level of self-awareness. And, you know, I, I, as I say, I've experienced many, many levels of elemental consciousness, of archetypal consciousness, all through my own explorations. And you're, you're absolutely right. So what you term mind, I'm sort of perhaps reflecting back a self-aware mind. And for me, and I'm happy to go ground of being, I'm happy to use different terminology. I'm happy to call, you know, God, I'm happy to call it Jabba the Hutt. I, you know, it, I, I think the danger, the danger is we get caught upon the Tower of Babel of semantics when actually we're all coming and, and, and probably experiencing and it's that deep experiencing. Um, that I think I think it, does, it does matter though, I think, together. I think the reason it matters is not because of semantics. I think what, what the job for us, and I mean literally you and me and people like us, sure. you know, it feels that like if this is going to be a new thing, yes. then what we need to do is we need to find ways of expressing it accurately because the great thing about science is that it, it is learnt through peer, peer review <laughs> Indeed. clearly. So that Indeed. one scientist in Japan can express the same thing or disagree about it with a scientist in Peru. And it sure. feels like what we need to do in spirituality is we, whilst I think, personally, I use loads of words for different things. To, uh, and, exactly. And do it, do it for, for the same reason as you are. Um, yeah. But it does feel like, you know, if we can, if we can actually, it, it, it's not the words that matter, it, but it is what we mean by them. I um, agree and, with you. And and I, we... I meet a lot of people that when you, because I'm very popular at the moment, everything exists in consciousness who see that like it's well it's god really it's this big all benign thing which has created the whole thing um and there's problems with that um i agree 
and, and and somehow we need to find a way of saying this so we can I, get so we can bring the scientists on board because actually otherwise this is always going to be a uh, it's not going to be mainstream i think I, I think that's very important and it's it's an interesting um timing because i've been having loads of conversations lately on this tower of babel aspect of it that you know a convergence of terminology is key yeah. There's a very good reason that I called the subtitle of the cosmic hologram in formation at the center of creation, because I could have gone very onomatopoeic and said consciousness at the center of creation. And I very clearly didn't, because science is now at the information stage. All the science I lay out in the book is realizing that information is the most fundamental, is yeah. the fundamental nature of a physical reality. As it's the first book of trilogy. I think I mentioned the transformation trilogy. So I'm moving into the C word and exploration of the C word multidimensionally as I go through the next two books. But in a way, I personally, I, I don't really, I see it as part of my role to bridge, you know, and bring all this together. But what my passion doesn't extend to are long debates about the terminology. Um, and what I prefer to do with folks is to co-create a field of coherence so that it, we, we each get it. I mean, I've been doing a lot of coherence. I, I think that's right, Jude, but I just want to say, <laughs> I don't think any of this is about terminology, is it? Isn't it about saying whatever we call it? Is. What is the ground? Is the ground self-aware? Is it consciousness because it knows itself? Is it a potentiality from which everything emerges? Is the, does it become conscious of itself? These don't, that's not terminology. That's like going... No, it is isn't. But, it, but I think that's where you and I... I mean, you are a philosopher. A philosophy is lover of truth. I'm a philosopher. But I also am a philosopher in a sense of... I think those questions are key. My feeling is that those questions have been debated for a very long time and explored for a very long time. And one of the things that we've not had until now is the, as you said right at the beginning, is the bridge that bridges between what we experience and perceive as physical reality, which seems to be very duality-based, which seems to be separate and all the rest of it. We've never had the evidence until now that that is not the true nature of reality. The book does that, but the yeah. book then offers that, that grail, as it were, that, that container of, of, it's got your back now, now start to have these conversations and let's start to come together in, in these very important explorations, but beyond, you know, beyond doubt. You know, so we can find ways of coming together more coherently and finding, new ways of understanding this i feel like a three-year-old at school gates you know? <laughs> <laughs> and it's that okay guys right we we've got the evidence now it's it the science is completely reconciling with universal spirituality and supernormal phenomena and 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 all of it now what and i wrote an article called what if what then and i think we've got the we're saying yes it's here now now what what do we do with this what do we do as as you know spiritual beings divine beings having a human experience what well, about me and the we and the bigger we as a result of this uh, let's um 
Let's move on to that then, because Jude, um, I know you and Tim have just been to a conference or a meeting at the House of Lords, um, and I'm assuming the interest there uh, from that perspective is what this looks like, this philosophy, when we're talking about consciousness, information, the origins of the universe, how it all evolves, when that kind of quite abstract stuff hits the practical aspects of the world we live in and conflicts going on across the world, economic crises, perhaps environmental issues. And it's something we've been, uh, Tim and I have been interested to explore with um, guests and between ourselves um, as to what spirituality's role is in um, these kind of more worldly issues. And particularly after the year we've just had, where both in the US and the United Kingdom, there were these more divisive than ever, certainly in my lifetime, political issues came up with the US presidential election, which really divided and polarized the country more. And um, here with Brexit and the, the recent general election. So um, the question, one question we've been exploring, for example, is, is does spirituality point to taking particular positions within that, that we should be in and out of this union or have this guy or that guy for the leader? Or does it describe structures or that we should try and live under? Or is it not to do with that at all? Is it more about facilitating the kind of environment in which that dialogue takes place? And obviously you've thought about these things. What, what are your views on, on how your spirituality and your thoughts um, influence political action and dialogue? Wow, big question and a, a crucial question. And that was certainly one of the things that we were exploring and taking forward from the House of Lords event. Um, just to give a bit of background on that, I, I held an event at the United Nations um, in May. And so my co-hosting the House of Lords uh, event uh, and inviting key influencers such as Tim to debate that and key influencers across many, many different fields of endeavor and, and activism was to basically um, explore this uh, and how we can transform essentially a, a global emergency into the emergence of our conscious evolution. So to go back a stage from that last September, I spoke uh, at a conference in Denmark and there were folks there, again, key influencers, activists across a very broad range, um, wanting to practically implement the sustainable development goals, which were signed off by the United Nations, I think 193 nations, putting them into their own political strategies, putting them into across corporations. And I sat quiet for the first day, which as Tim knows, it's not usual for me. And I sat quietly for the first day. And at the end, I was asked my views by the organizers. And I said, well, you know, I, I felt that it was wonderful work, but it was incomplete. And so they mulled on it overnight. And when I arrived the following morning, they said, would you, you know, just stand up and explain what you mean for about 20 minutes. And I said, basically the sustainable development goals in my perspective, our responses to the symptoms of our collective dis-ease. Those symptoms are our behaviours. And those behaviours are mainly driven from our beliefs about the nature of reality. If we think we're separate, if the other is completely separate, um, if we feel that, you know, I, I can only win if you lose, there's many, many other things. But basically what I was saying is, yes, by all means, practically do everything with the Sustainable Development Goals. But ultimately, as a healer myself, I know that unless you cure the cause of the dis-ease, the symptoms will continue to 
find other ways of expressing themselves. So the essence of the event at the House of Lords and at the United Nations and elsewhere has been, you know, we now have the, the opportunity, um, and this is why I wrote the book, to offer the evidence for the unified nature of reality such that we can begin to heal our fragmented perspectives and realize there are many, many pathways in spirituality, many different pathways, but ultimately all within the, the, the wholeness or, or the oneness and valuing the uniqueness of the me and the diversity of the, the we. So that's really where my activism is playing. It, you know, if I can help by by sharing this understanding for folks to get aha because it's not whereas 20th century science was all about the very small and the very big this is playing out on our everyday lives this is showing that the same informational patterns that pervade the natural world pervade all our social structures our social behaviors we are connected at a very very fundamental level and so a lot of what I'm doing is what Tim and you might call subtle activism in terms of understanding what are the principles of co-creative consciousness to help build coherence. Um, and I've written about this, I wrote a little bit about it in the book, but I'm doing a lot of experiential work with many folks around the world. How do we build coherence so that in a, in a, in a you know, really valuing our, our uniqueness and our diversity. It's rather like I, I describe, if information is other notes, then consciousness is the music. And we are the microcosmic co-creative musicians. So we can come together and play within this beautiful cosmic symphony of life and take things forward together. So this is really where I'm coming from. We heal our perspectives, we heal our worldview, mm. We begin to heal our behaviors, but also we need to heal the traumas that are still in our collective psyche as a result of that extreme materialistic duality-based perspectives. Because we can't just go, oh, well, that was that, move on. I'm sure, Tim, in your work, you find this all the time. People are holding stuff. We're all you know, carrying the luggage of, of where we've come from, and we need to be able to heal and release that alongside knowing the, 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 the true nature of reality and then we're at the, the school gates and hopefully hold hands and go forward together um, because that's what I feel we have the opportunity to do now yeah I mean could I just pop in on that Richard and just say you know I, I you know I think that's it, it, exactly right and and lovely to hear because talking about what's the nature of reality for most people sounds so far away from political action um, <laughs> But uh, as someone who has, has a little obsession with what's the nature of reality, I really get that because it feels to me like, you know, as, as we've often discussed, everything everyone does comes from what they think life is. So one of the things I really enjoy at the moment, because I'm getting to go and, and talk about emergent spirituality, this completely different worldview, and speak for some time to people, I can see them slowly getting it, is that the, the, the state which you leave in is so different because you're suddenly part of this incredibly exciting uh, yeah. 
evolutionary journey, which has been going on for 13.8 billion years and has arrived at you. And, exactly. and rather than being in this dead universe where you're here for a moment and then gone, uh, long enough to just kind of go, what the hell? And then you're finished. And, and the universe itself is kind of accidental and going nowhere. And it, the fact that, you know, even when people disagree with that, and I don't think, I think most human beings actually don't agree with that, but knowing that the intellectual, intellectual elite believe that, that the people who are creating the culture, huge numbers of them believe that, has an effect because you, you yeah, kind of, of in course. the back of your mind you're thinking well they're smarter than me they probably know better and so what do you end up with where well, you end up with this incredible state we're in right now where everyone's petrified thinking that it's all going terribly wrong i mean it was interesting you said richard but the thought i'll just tell you because it came through my mind when you went you know certainly this is there's more conflict now than in my lifetime and I, my thought was oh yes because you're not very old because <laughs> 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 you're looking back to the days of thatcher and the, uh, and the, I was thinking the same thing. in the street and all the <laughs> like, yeah no believe me or the ira blowing up the government you know yeah. bombs and it's like whoa no this is nothing but you know this is just more of the same it's, but it's come back again and and the, you know, there was a lovely lady that's part of me feeling like, you know, is there an emergency? What is it? Because in some ways it's going well, but there is this overwhelming sense of we need to move. We're stuck. And, and the idea that what could move us on needs to be as fundamental as reshaping what we think existence is. Exactly. And then from that can just emerge so much energy. Okay. Uh, I find that an incredibly inspiring and exciting Form of <laughs> come back in there on that. Um, what I meant by conflict is really division. Okay, so yeah, uh, yeah granted, um, I do just about remember Margaret and the minor strikes. Yeah. Um, but really, the, the we have this um, like this interesting parallel where Britain became divided amongst in and out on the Brexit thing, and um, and the US became divided along pro and anti-Trump, but it was a really strong divide. It's not like, yeah. well, you might not like Bill Clinton, but he's not the antichrist in the way that Trump is, is seen as being. Um, and what, with your answer, dude, what I was curious is, okay, so there's sustainability goals and they need something else added in. But what I'm wondering is, can we start with that level of agreement that we're all behind this idea that sustainability goals are a good thing? Because I know a lot of people who don't like the UN's sustainability goals and, um, and think that they're going to cut into jobs and they're going to give too much power to governments to control energy resources and a lot of cynicism about that. So when you have um, this kind of polarization that people, for very genuine reasons, they're not being belligerent. They just see from totally different perspectives on environmentalism, on whether it's Israel or Palestine, on um, all these kind of issues, whether Trump's a good guy or not. How do, you, how do you speak to that kind of core division? Because we could all agree that the universe is consciousness. It doesn't mean that we hold the same economic or political no, opinions. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, first of all, I'm not, I'm not pro or against the Sustainable Development Goals. I think mm -hmm. they're an incredible achievement, actually, of getting over a very, very long time and a lot of hard work some level of, of commonality of perspective. So I, I do feel that they are a, a, an achievement. But I'm not judging any of that what i'm basically saying is, is what tim and i are both saying is that this is about when we heal our worldview we begin to heal our behaviors mm -hmm. and that's what this is about and what those behaviors are you know as well as as we do that when you become more aware your behaviors naturally change 
that it just flows. You become more aware. And by being more aware, I think the general for me definition of being more aware is more realizing the interconnectedness and the ultimate oneness of everything. One of the things that I'm banging on about a lot at the moment is, is the me and the we, not the me to the we, because I think a lot of people are scared about, well, am I going to lose myself as we move towards the we, this, this homogenous, undifferentiated grey goo? And I'd, I'd love Tim's perspective and yours on this, but I'm saying no. What this understanding of the unified nature of reality does, when we begin to understand it, and experience it and ultimately embody it is that we become more me than we probably have ever been and we're also more we so uh for me to, it's about coherence it's about building coherence within i'm just diversity. going to go and get something it's going to take me five seconds <laughs> okay <laughs> so it's it, you're right it's, it's all it's, live you see <laughs> so, so this this is an area which was lovely for me at the beautiful event that you organized and, and put on for us at the House of Lords. Because I've spent the last 15 years, <laughs> especially in non-duality groups, where everyone's going, it's all one, going, yes, isn't it? And all separate. Yes. <laughs> and they're going, no, no, it's just all one. So, so the, the very center of my work around spirituality has been both and, not either or. So exactly. for the last one, the, the subtitle, I don't know if you can see that on the screen, Deep Awake, Waking Up to Oneness and Celebrate Your Individuality. Yes, On the yes, back of which, yes. after Know Yourself, Show Yourself, says that the ego is the hero of the journey, not the enemy. So that it's so that the me and we hearing people suddenly saying this me and we was just like oh thank God at last yes <laughs> absolutely that it comes you know that it's going to come through this yes this, it, 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 the universe has been individuating it's not a mistake it's through yeah, exactly that this oneness is arising so I was yes. delighted to to you know so anyway yeah I'm in full, I couldn't <laughs> resonate with you more Jude I think and the me and we was a lovely quick hand I, you know I love all that beautiful way of capturing that essential insight but the thing I'd like to come back with to Richard for your really deep question which as you said we've been mulling over in different ways now for a while yeah. and and from what Judas said is it seems to me I feel that if I'm meeting someone who has, for want of a better term, is awakened to or conscious of that fundamental ground of unity, or at least to some degree, and there's that essential compassion, that love, yeah. and they say to me, uh, yeah, I think sustainable route is the development's the route, and there's somebody else there who's got the same sense of oneness, who goes, do you know, I'm not sure because I think it might have these mm. problems. Yeah. I'm listening yeah. to both. Exactly. My experience has been that often the people who are saying one side really don't have that, that awareness. And I'm thinking, hmm, you're not saying that for this reason. You're saying it because there's some economic advantage to you in this. And that's a yeah. different experience. So the more we can get people to the place where we have a commonality of um, intention, a kindness, yes. fundamental relationship where we want what's best for the planet, disagreeing from that place becomes a really healthy thing to find the right I solution. Agree. Yeah. and how we can balance out the role of government with the individual and all those other questions. When that's not there, then you're actually, what you've got is a different thing. Yeah. Then you've got a war between different states of consciousness for discussion. And yeah. then it's about what state are you in? And that's a different thing from a debate within a state of consciousness. 
Uh, that is that is absolutely key and, and just to go on from that because Tim I'd be really interested in the work you're doing in this because coherence it's building that level of coherence where you have a common level of awareness and then you can you know express the diversity and co-create true resolutions going forward I was um, on a call the other day with some friends and we tuned into this concept of, of coherence and the words that came through I, I may not remember them fully but I got we cohere h-e-r-e -E, and cohere h-e-a-r when we are fully present and fully receptive to each other as me and together as we yeah. So, so, so we're cohering, we cohere and now. Yeah, literally, cohere and cohere. <laughs> Can we get any more puns in? This is getting good. <laughs> cohering now, I like it. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah it, it, but it is that, isn't it? And then you're, it, it's lovely because then you can get that. It's, it's really the co-creative genius of, of the group where everybody's, you know, gift and input and, and passion and awareness is brought in. But it's not through that fear-based, egoic-based hmm. um, perspective. And I'm I, good I with you the, on the ego, the hero too. The best thing about it is no one has to change their opinion on anything, right? We could all make the world a better place just by becoming more present and coherent in dialogue. And we don't have to change our opinions on anything because that's what yeah, one really doesn't want to do. Right? Very attached to opinions. So you can keep your opinions, but just become more receptive to others. And maybe opinions will then change. Who knows? But... I think that's when they do change, when mm. you yourself realise <clears throat> that the opinion you've held is not being helpful to you or whatever. But I, I, I find, in my experience, I don't try and change people's minds. <laughs> Life's too short. <laughs> you know, and I think Tiz probably feels the same. You share what you, you know, you share what you understand and then it's an invitation. It's an invitation. Okay. Um, I think the time has flown by and uh, I yeah um, so I'm aware that we should probably make this like recording length but I think maybe we should do something again sometime because it does feel like there's a whole lot more to say and I have more questions on my mind um, but I'll invite you to say anything else you would like to say or perhaps I'll just um, also to finish on a kind of positive note or a visionary note um, <clears throat> I'll ask you both to express your hopes and visions of if your work plays out over the coming decade, few decades, how the world can change in light of, um, let's say, Jude, what you're talking about, of this emergent new science and the implications that has for all sorts of different areas of humanity. Tim, did you want to go first? Um, okay, I will. Um, <laughs> uh, and um, I, I, what I would say is simply that um, for me, it's, I'll return to the theme which I touched on earlier because that'll be easy. It, it feels like the when, if you get this vision of this evolutionary adventure which we are part of and that the nature of soul of this other dimension is, is a reality and that the soul is not mortal, that's not woo-woo, it's actual an intellectually robust reality, it changes your perception of what it is to live. The big thing which is missing, actually, you know, we have loads of problems, but if there, it, things are going really well. We, anyone who understands history knows how good it is right now. And yet we're so frightened. And we're frightened because we don't know where we're going. What we, there's nothing, where we are is, the same, is, is, is a great place with some big problems on the horizon. Where we, what we need is 
where can we go? And the excitement which, and the, the, the ability to disagree in love, the, the going forward to find mutually beneficial solutions, it, it, it can transform our perception of what it is to live in society together. And that's my hope, that we can unleash this phenomenal creativity of, of, that exists in our souls and enjoy sharing it together and making our world as good as it can be. Ditto. <laughs> Ditto. Uh, exactly that. And, and, and really to say that, you know, we do have, we now know, it's not a hope, it's not a faith, it's not a trust. We have the evidence that allies with the experience through the ages of the truly unified nature of reality and, and are empowered by it to realize that we are microcosmic co-creators we have a place we have a purpose we have a meaning individually and together at this amazing moment of evolution so my hope but my sense is that as we heal our fragmented perspectives into this whole worldview that we are empowered to come together with all our diversity, with all our different views, to come together and instead of falling into fear, collectively take a leap into love. And then my goodness me, what then? Because I, I don't think we've even a fraction of a possibility of the amazingness of, of what this, this, this amazing step of conscious evolution can be for ourselves, for all, for our beloved Gaia, you know, literally for the whole world. But I'm oh, here my, to find out. <laughs> what you said just that made me think of Pierre de Chardin, that lovely quote. I can't remember it exactly, but it's very famous. People should Google it. Where, you know, great evolutionary visionary and just saying that when human beings really discover the power of love, it'll be, it'll be like discovering fire. It's, yes. That, that yes. Yes. Well, and is... I feel we're on the threshold of it. I really feel we're on the threshold now. It's happening. It's being birthed. Literally that's, the most, <clears throat> that's the most beautiful note we could have to end on, I feel. So thank you very much, Tim and Jude. And I, I hope we can, I'll put details of Jude's book below the video or audio, wherever you're getting this from. And um, I hope we can do something again sometime because this has been the time has just flown by, really. So I don't want to end. I just think it's good for you know for <laughs> an interview length, and uh, we'll pick it up again in the future. Thank you very much, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank Jude. you, Richard. Thanks, Tim. Thanks, Richard. Thanks everybody for listening and watching. Mm.